Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. <laughs> yes. We're descending to the gates of the place that I don't believe in. <laughs> Tracy! What? What's going on the show? Um, uh, We're going to talk a little bit about OJ. Ooh. So American Crime Story has been retelling the story of the OJ trial, aka the trial of the century. Mm. I was thinking back to where I was at that time, like what was going on in my life, and I watched a lot of Comic View. And so I was really thinking about the way that comedy functioned for both black and white people during the trial. Mm-hmm. Got some thoughts? Going to share them with you. We're also going to spend a little time, you know, really marinating in Clarence Thomas. Yeah. We're not talking about him enough, honestly. We need to be making fun of him a lot more often and the reason we're talking about clarence thomas is because wendell pierce is on the show today what yay wendell pierce you may know as bunk from the wire and antoine batiste from treme um is playing clarence thomas in the upcoming um hbo movie confirmation about the sexual harassment allegations that were um brought against clarence thomas and um we're gonna talk to him about that before we get into this episode, we wanted to remind everybody about our show this Thursday, April 14th in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our guest is going to be an amazing musician from Flint, Michigan. His name is Tunde Olaniran. The show is sold out, but if you show up early, you might be able to get in. Doors open at 630. And on our Twitter page, Another Round, there's pinned information on the show if you need more. So follow us on Twitter. We're excited to see you. Yay! Um, Heaven, I have a question. I'm listening. Do you remember the OJ thing taking place at all? What year did it happen? 94. Okay, so I was not in America then. Okay. Also did not know English. Okay. So no. Okay. (laughs) I remember very distinctly. I was 13. I was at school. I was in the counselor's office finishing a makeup test because I probably (laughs) pretended to be sick. So I had to go to school. (laughs) And uh, this this little white kid <laughs> named Doug Taylor bounces by, and he's just like got this really excited look on his face, like his his he was like glowing, he was so happy. And he passes me, sees me sitting in the counselor's office, and he pucks his head, and he's like, "He's innocent, he's innocent." What? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." This is like a movie. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. He just running around saying a white he's kid innocent. named Doug. What was his last name? Taylor. Doug Taylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was weird that he would know that because you are in school right now. How oh, that's did you true. get the news? This we is pre like cell phones. Yeah, we didn't have cell phones. And so I tweeted to ask everybody else where they were. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, because um, a lot of people that I follow and who follow me are around my age. So they were also in like high school, middle school, somewhere in elementary school. And they were like, I was in the gym watching it on TV with my entire class. So mm-hmm. I was, my teacher pulled out. You remember those, <laughs> the little rolly carts that had the TV on them? So like you yes. push the, yeah. And then when you have a sub, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> See the rolly car time with the to TV. watch Jumanji <laughs> <laughs> for the fifth time this year. The idea of a bunch of children watching right. the OJ verdict is crazy, but that's how like how saturated like the entire like every part of like our lives became with the OJ trial and the OJ verdict. And another thing that I remember was Comic View. Mm-hmm. Comic View was a half hour stand up comedy show. Used to come on BT. I used to love Comic View. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was 
absolutely hilarious. Looking back on it now, mm, you know, <laughs> a lot of the sets didn't age very well. But um, that's all that anybody ever talked about on Comic View was OJ. Like, mm. as soon as the news broke, every comedian was talking about OJ, talking about OJ. Black, white, they had a few white comics. They were all talking about OJ so much that I remember there being, I couldn't find this on YouTube. There was like a two-minute supercut of just like all the comics saying OJ over and over. OJ, 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 OJ. And the last part I remember was a guy, <laughs> he was, this is going to sound terrible to say it out loud, but he was like, he was trying to say what he would have done if he were one of the victims, right? So he's like okay. on the ground bleeding. He was like, I would have spelled out his name in blood. It ain't but two letters. Oh, okay. Yay. So like, I mean, just to give All you right, like sir. a hint. Exactly. <laughs> I went through this rabbit hole because I was trying to find some clips on YouTube. They're very, very hard to find, unfortunately, from that far back. But I was like, wow, this was like the like flavor of the day. You mm. know, like it's it's all that anybody could talk about. And I was like, why? I got the sense that it was precipitated by um, the fact that CNN was like now a thing. Like the 24-hour news cycle mm -hmm. hadn't quite existed. And then the 90s is when CNN was like, yeah. we're here. Mm -hmm. So it, you actually had coverage of it yeah. at any given moment. Yeah, and it was broadcast almost 24-7 right. on so many news channels. So yeah. it was a very, very pervasive like thing in our lives then. And I want to backtrack a little bit to go back to when I was sitting in the counselor's <laughs> room and Doug Taylor's like, he's innocent. And I'm like, yeah. I was, it was very much a performative thing that I was doing even then. Like what do you it, mean? I knew that it was my job as a black person to publicly support OJ Simpson. Why? Because this is right on like the tail end of, of the LA riots, Rodney mm. King and black people had just been fucked over so often mm -hmm. that the OJ thing wasn't about OJ. It was about black people finally winning versus a really, really corrupt justice system that's very clearly stacked against them. Right. Word. One of the things that I that you can really, really see in the um in American crime story is like all the people who were like very publicly supporting OJ, like people out with signs outside of the courthouse, you know, like black people getting into like scuffles with white people because the black people are supporting OJ and the white people were like, no, he's a murderer. I never really believed that he was innocent, but I just knew that like I had to like be with my folks on this. And mm. like, I was just like, yeah, he's innocent. Sure. And then like I go home and I turn on the TV and on comic view, all the comics are basically like, y'all know he did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was such an in an interesting um, dichotomy, mm. right? Because on the outside, we're like, nah, you know, this is, we got to we gotta win this one for, for the people. But then, like, in our homes, like, it's BET, you know, even though it's run by white people, black people watch it. So it's kind of like in our own safe spaces is when we could have been like, okay, but seriously, though, y'all know that OJ did it. I have a couple of clips the first is a comedian, <laughs> Steve Harvey. What? Yes, Steve Harvey did stand up once upon a time for quite a while. <laughs> so I'll tell you a couple things make me think he did it. First of all, like my daddy always say, stick to what you do. You a football player? Hell, play football. If you don't know how to commit murder, damn it, don't do it. <laughs> Stay your ass at the house. What you out there trying killing people for if you ain't good at it? Plus his old ignorant ass and got evidence popping up everywhere. Somebody say they found a Heisman Trophy in the bushes. <laughs> Cause see, I am not of the thinking that the media got us going at. 
trying to turn it into a racial issue. This ain't about race. This is about somebody that killed somebody else. And I don't care what color he is, if he killed somebody, he got to go. I don't give a damn if he do play football. And I ain't backing nobody just cause you black. If you done killed somebody, blue, black, green, yellow, your ass got to go. I'm telling you that right now. And, and, and the media done got all of black America in an uproar about it being a race issue. This ain't race. You understand me? OJ ain't been black since he won that Heisman Trophy. <laughs> it seems to me like those spaces were the only spaces where we could publicly be like, yes, he did it. I think that humor um, becomes a weapon in the hands of people who feel helpless and voiceless, mm. right? And so here was another case of, like, for whatever reason, another black man being, like, persecuted in the white man's court, basically. What were the things that made you feel like you couldn't talk about it in public? Like, what suggested that to you? I don't know. I just remember feeling, like, even at 13 years old, like, watching the tape of those officers beating Rodney King and then mm. seeing the officers get off sky-free and then watching the L.A. riots happen after that and then watching and learning about, like, what caused the L.A. riots. You know, it was people, like, it was police brutality, basically. Mm. And I just remember, like, a sense of urgency during the OJ thing. It was like, okay, they can't screw us over again, even though he's probably a double murderer and even though he probably should be in jail. You know, it was more about like making a statement and about like changing the tide, I guess. Like this time we're going to come out on top. But I feel like people tend to do that for cases that are like where you have like the perfect victim. OJ's not the, like a sympathetic dude. Yeah, well, there was also this idea that like a lot of black people saw it as another black man who um, was successful, mm -hmm. had the nerve to date, marry a white woman, and have kids oh with her, God. you know, and white people didn't like it. So white people were trying to frame them and set them up and take them down, which is not out of the realm of possibility for white mm. people, you know? Nothing is. Nothing is out <laughs> of the realm of possibility for white people. Most of the comics were like, yeah, he did it, as we just heard with Steve Harvey. But there were other comics who were like, I don't think he did it, which is crazy because he obviously did. <laughs> but <laughs> the arguing that he was innocent, mm -hmm. I think, is where black people try to um, fight back in an arena where they felt very, very helpless. Mm. You know, like we couldn't like go into a, a courtroom and be like, you treat us really badly, you should let him go. That's not a thing that they could do. I think that in moments where black comedians got on stage and were like, he's innocent, he didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. That is an expression of like the anxieties that black people felt at being so helpless in a case like this. It was mm. the same helplessness that they felt during the Rodney King thing and during the Watts riots too. This next clip is a comedian that I actually really, really, really liked. I can't tell if it's coincidence that he is also a very loud country black man. <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> His name was Don D.C. Curry. Oh, man. <laughs> Were the worst suits, the very, very worst suits. And when I look at the OJ case, I got to admit, the whole case got me emotionally disturbed. I really don't know what to think. When I first started watching the trial about a year ago, the first thing I saw was the opening statement of the prosecution. When Marsha Clark finished listing all the evidence they had against OJ, I said, OJ did it. They may as well lock him up right now. I don't even know why they're going on with a trial, all that evidence. But I kept on watching till smooth Johnny Cochran got up and started breaking it down. Johnny Cochran. 
Akron got a point. They got too much evidence against OJ. Nobody could have been that damn stupid. And even if it was, no one man, even if it was, could have been that stupid. And even if it was, no one man could have made all them mistakes. How could one man drop one bloody glove at the crime scene, take a matching bloody glove to his own house, drink blood all up and down Rockingham Boulevard, blood in the bushes, blood in the grass, left his hat on top of one of the bodies, blood on the fence, blood on the outside of the Bronco, blood inside the Bronco. He couldn't have done it. He got to his house climbed over the wall and broke in his own estate for what he lived there, ain't he got a key to the gate? Knocked on the wall, woke Kato's lazy, ignorant, no telling half an ass up. OJ couldn't have done all that. The OJs couldn't have done all that stuff. The OJs. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> so I'm watching all of these old clips of uh, black stand-up comedians during... Um, the OJ trial. And then I was like, hmm, wonder what white people were saying about this in their comedy, <laughs> their arenas of comedy. Very different. Mm. Very, very different. OJ Simpson's lawyers have decided to skip hearings on DNA evidence and go right to trial. Asked why they did this, the lawyers replied, we want to get OJ acquitted as speedily as possible so he can get back to doing what he does best, killing people. I noticed that all of white people's jokes was like, OJ's a murderer. <laughs> OJ did it and he's still free. Like one of uh once they announced the verdict, mm -hmm. the first thing that Norm McDonald said on his weekend update was um something like it's official, double murder is now legal in the state of California. Wow. And he went really hard at OJ. According to retailers, the most popular Halloween mask this year is OJ Simpson. And the most popular Halloween greeting is I'll kill you and that guy who's bringing over your glasses or treat. <laughs> Matt TV would do a lot of like sketches about what OJ's life is like after being mm. acquitted to like a blind date or something. And they basically like reenact like the crime sort of like he's like in a pair of gloves is too small okay. and you know, just like really, really ridiculous. So the same way that hum that black people used humor Mm. to express their anxieties. White people did the same thing with their humor, and their anxiety was, there's big black murder on the loose. Right. <laughs> and he's just out there. We're next. So now we're going to have a conversation with Wendell Pierce. And if you don't know who he is, I'm really excited for you to meet him. Um, he's an actor. You probably He's probably most famous for his role as Detective Bunk on The Wire. You know how everyone feels about The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also played a New Orleans jazz musician, Antoine Baptiste, in Treme. And now he's portraying Justice Clarence Thomas in the new HBO film Confirmation. It's all about Thomas's nomination for Supreme Court Justice in 1991. And during these Senate judiciary hearings they had to try to confirm him, the law professor Anita Hill brought sexual harassment allegations against him. He was her former boss. So we have a lot of questions about what it's like to play such a controversial role. To you, Heaven. Yeah. To you, Tracy. And to you, Mr. Winnie. I'm so excited you're here. Cheers. This guy's a very sweet bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm. Also, have you listened to Ethiopian jazz? I know you are into jazz. Uh, yes. Yes, I have. I love... Um, I don't know anything about jazz. I'm a horrible black person and a horrible Ethiopian person. No, but so you, no, I'm you very intrigued to talk to you about that. Um, okay, let's actually start the interview. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, speaking Sorry, of bad Mom. black people, I just want to point out that earlier, Heaven told me that I was a terrible black person because... We don't have to get um, into this now. It's okay. No, you see, that's that's why we have to talk about it. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's confirmation. That's what it's about. We, yeah. are, not, we are not monolithic. Oh, my God. So, um, so related. So who are, you, who are you to say someone can... <laughs> Or cannot, you know, pull out their black card. Um, I haven't told me I was a bad black person because why? Because I don't like spicy food. No, no, no. You said I don't have any hot sauce in my home. Oh. It wasn't that you said I don't like spicy okay. food, okay. which is allowed. Okay, but like none. But if I don't like spicy that, food, that could just be I lazy. Now, you know, that's true. I am very lazy. <laughs> that's true. You know, I'm what? a good lazy person. I just realized I may not have. House uh, wow. So are we both bad black people? No, because I, I call say... I call and tell them to deliver it, you know. Uh. Put some hot sauce in it. <laughs> I don't have that kind of clout yet. I don't yes, have you a... do? like that. It's called seamless. <laughs> to just bring, bring hot, me hot sauce. sauce? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. not just See, hot sauce. Well, hold on. So if you call in places that don't have hot sauce to throw in the bag and deliver to your house, now you lost your black card. Because that means That's you're not real. calling the two dollar chicken wing place. <laughs> they have but hot sauce. They have hot sauce. <laughs> they come correct. That's Cause, true. Because I... the one thing I learned when I came to New York and I got my New York Brooklyn black card uh-huh. is like, you got duck sauce, duck sauce, and some hot sauce. Put it in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on everything. From I from New that. Orleans, I never knew what duck sauce was hmm. until I got here. Um, so you were born and raised in New Orleans. Yes, uh, I love New Orleans. New Orleans is the northernmost Caribbean city, the last Bohemia, the most. Ooh, um, I'm, that's an. Interesting sentence. It's the northernmost, northernmost Caribbean city. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about it. When you go to New Orleans, you you, you So have you been to the Caribbean? Uh, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Quite often. And um what that's you, why I say it. What what is your identity like as a new New Orleans? Lenian. Lenian. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling with the noun. <laughs> um my identity is uh someone that comes from a place that uh, absolutely celebrates culture. We have we live our culture more uh, than most places I know. Hmm. So, you know, um, we sing when we talk, hey, heaven, what's going on, baby? I Tracy, love it. where you going, baby? How you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I call my mother and say, how's your day? She would say, <laughs> she would say oh, I cooked a big pot of red beans and I'm do some etouffee later. We yes. talk about our food. You know? Yes. Uh, and, you know, just steeped in, uh, in, in culture. Um, and a living culture too. Mm. You know, when you see a second line, understand that that was poor black folks who pooled their resources to bring economic development into their neighborhood. Mm. So when you see the band, look behind the parade. The people selling food, the people selling drinks, mm. all of that. That's how we brought and bring to this day commerce into the neighborhood. It came out of a time when black folks were redlined. Uh-huh. So you know, we pool your resources on a social aid and pleasure club. We understand the pleasure part. <laughs> you know, the social aid part was there. So, uh-huh. you know, your mama takes sick, we'll take care of her. Your daddy dies, we're going to send him off nice. We'll get a burial plot. And that's the the genesis of the jazz parade. So you describe in New Orleans as the northernmost Caribbean 
city you said i yes. went for the first time la- uh, a few months ago actually yeah. oh really yeah. did you have a good time i, I hope did. you did yeah. yes talk uh, to me about the similarities if you look at our cuisine even the spanish influence the french influence obviously with mm-hmm. the sauces and all the spanish influence jambalaya ain't nothing but creole paella Mm. you know when you think about it so you see the influence the sausages and stuff even coming from the germans that were there but you take out the african influence you wouldn't recognize louisiana uh, and creole cajun cuisine Mm. Mm -hmm. architecture and all the porch the Mm. idea of how that's how you cool a house is actually having a porch yes that's one thing that the culture of sitting out on the porch you know is Yo. a, um, a African aesthetic. Absolutely. You know? There are yeah. not enough porches in this I city. can identify an Ethiopian in the wild. <laughs> they be strolling, taking their time. <laughs> it's very porch-sitting right. situation. So, but, and, but, you know, it's like I said, it's all very practical and tangible. Mm. You know, you go to Louisiana and New Orleans in the heat of the summer, Ooh, you understand. You see our second lines. Why do we have umbrellas in the handkerchief? Mm-hmm. It came from the heat. It's hot. Yeah, so it's, uh, culture is very practical and stuff. So that that connection is there. And you see that in the Caribbean. It's a crossroads of European, African, uh, Native American, or indigenous people. Mm. Um, you know, the Homa Indians and all. The Mardi Gras Indians, a mm-hmm. black grassroots uh, masking tradition, honors those Indians who kept runaway slaves mm. you know who hid them out from their bounty hunters and all you know mm. so um the revolution of uh haiti mm. made new orleans a sister city because you had in treme right next to the french quarter free people of color mm-hmm. for 40 years before our civil war mm-hmm. so the french quarter was the peter tear of your plantation owners on the river they would come down mm-hmm. They got their house in the quarter, right, in the French quarters. And uh, they only had room for several of their slaves. And so you might be able to stay at the house, but then the footman, okay, I'll let you, Wendell, I'll let you go and stay with them free Negroes over there in Treme, mm-hmm. but you better be back in the morning, <laughs> right, or we're going to have a bounty out on it, right? <laughs> and now you have, imagine, captured Africans, enslaved, sitting with brothers and sisters talking about, man, you can do this. Mm, we cat. We had a cat named Toussaint who took care of business, <laughs> right? And so they spurred or spawned all these insurrections in Louisiana. Mm, yeah. With all of that in mind, you think of the Caribbean. You think of mm. the Maroons, Nanny Maroon in Jamaica. You think of Toussaint Louverture and and uh, in Haiti. You know, and I think of those Haitians that came to New Orleans, who literally was feeding fuel to the fire. So on Sunday, in Congo Square, you had these Africans captured. They were released out of their chains in Congo Square on Sundays at 3 o'clock, and they were allowed to drum mm. and dance the bambula. Right? Then right out of the French Quarter, you hear these European captors' music. Right? Right? Literally. Yes. And so they said, we're going to comment on our captors. Jazz. Literally the birthplace of jazz. We can go and stand on it right now, Congo Square in New wow. Orleans. That's how it came about. But what was also happening in Congo Square, where they were bartering and trading and exchanging ideas with these free people of color. Uh-huh. 1848 streetcar boycott in New Orleans, they tried to do. Plessy versus Ferguson mm. came out of, right? I can take you 
My Performing Arts High School, New Orleans Center for Creative Arts, is at the spot where Plessy boarded the train. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? So all of that insurrection, all of the all the seeds that started the modern-day civil rights movement are right there, tangible. So that's very much a part of our history in New Orleans that I'm sure you heard nothing about on your trip <laughs> two months ago. Because we also, as in all of America, have... Uh, Revisionist history, and it's difficult mm-hmm. for them to mm. people to deal with it. But yeah. in New Orleans, it's all right there. I'm very my mind is blown right now. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> dazzled. I, I learned so much in like 15 seconds. New Orleans history, you know, like I couldn't tell you like half of that history of Louisville, where I'm from. Question: Did you watch the Beyonce video for Formation? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I heard about <gasps> what? it. What? Wait, I, first what? of all. Okay. I, I got the sense that people felt a way when so it it very deeply invokes Katrina. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think uh I saw a video where she's on the police car and yeah, goes down yes. in the water and all mm-hmm. of that and she's dancing. She's giving you like Ophelia mixed with Black Panther. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I saw that. Okay. And I thought I thought that was a pretty I thought it was bold wonderful. move for Beyonce. A lot of people thought I, I think she she's was, I think it was very bold. I, 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 first of all, I don't think it's bold. Well, it's bold I, it's for just her. Black. That's all it is. It's, it's bold, bold for, for her. her. Yeah. It's bold for her. But here's the other thing. We have a great legacy of people who are entertainers like herself who step out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Eartha Kitt, Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. or even Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know? Nina um, Simone. Nina Simone was the epitome of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Belafonte. Ozzie Davis, they have handed us a great legacy. Mm. If she can't step out now after acquiring a certain level of wealth right. mm-hmm. and prosperity, the level of wealth she and her husband are at uh, should take care of the family right. for a couple of generations. Now, yes. and, and if you Y'all haven't right. understood that, you need to get other financial planning. <laughs> right? um, that it should give you the freedom to right. say all the stuff that she wants to. She understands that that's going to be the reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's um, so poised about like to yes. be clear. <laughs> oh, and that, like a the L interview, uses, right? Yeah. Did she has She hasn't given an interview in like actually maybe a year. Yeah. yeah. So there were screenshots of her. I guess it's an L interview that she did where she talks very openly about formation. She was like, "Listen, I love the police. I support them a hundred percent." And she was like, "But to be clear, because yes. she used this phrase, she was like, to be that's clear.' That's how you know you're about to get it.' Yeah, to be that's clear. Like, that's the classy <laughs> version of first of all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny how. <laughs> As um, a brother, I've been on the end of it. <laughs> you know, you know, right? But she was like, um, "I'm definitely against police brutality and injustice." Yes. And anybody who has a problem with my video had several problems before me and before this video. Mm. I was like, you better go off, Beyonce. I'm really, really impressed watching her, like, kind of political awakening. I am, too. I love to watch it. I really, really love to watch it. Because it's a thing that she ostensibly doesn't have to do. You know, you can just, right. like, get on but stage. But you know something? It's, it's, a, it's a personal decision. Yeah, that's it's what I It's a personal decision. It. It's, uh, it's inevitable. Mm. Because you can't bring a child into this world. Mm-hmm. As the old man who has no child. (laughs) Uh, And one of the things I'll confess to is one of the reasons I don't have children. It's difficult difficult for me to see my child in this world with some of the things that are happening in this world. Mm. I would feel, I feel so afraid of bringing a child into this world 
with all the, my mother would always tell me you can't you can't allow all the negative to uh, to stop you like that. Yeah. I said, but you know, once you have a child, you know, you you are on this mission of like, oh, I have to clean up all of this mm-hmm. because it would be so unfair to my child mm-hmm. to allow things to continue on as they are without doing something to change it. Yeah, that's an anxiety I feel too as my. Um my childbearing years are escaping me. But uh it's just so scary to know that like you as a parent you can do everything right, quote unquote, and mm. still lose your child to police violence and still lose your child to just like all of these like just things that you cannot control because it's just a toxic society. Yeah. But, but you can't you can't allow that to uh to hem you up. As uh-huh. we used to say, <laughs> you know, you as we still say in some parts of say, the world, okay, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm of an age, you know, you know, you still say solid. Do <laughs> <laughs> y'all young kids still say solid? Because I say solid, you know. <laughs> I would, I would pause at Jab Turkey though. Yeah. That's, that's a. I would Actually, pause I, there. I, 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 I submit that we never say Jab Turkey. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> that is a, that is a, uh, is a creation, a, a, a creation of. Uh, of somebody who's trying to appropriate the culture. I don't think nobody ever, I don't think you wait, could wait. ever find a brother who said Jive Turkey <laughs> if it wasn't written in a Hollywood script. So people never say like Jive Turkey. Well, like I just definitely only, only associate Somebody would say, man, like, you Jive. Uh-huh. Right. But not Jive Time you know, Turkey, jive like what turkey. you call it, you know. <laughs> I'm sure the first actor who said it in some B movie or uh-huh. some B yeah, TV that's series what I associate said, with. Uh, I what? see Jive. <laughs> jive. I trained at Juilliard like Wendell Pierce, but uh, <laughs> I understand Jive, the turkey part. Well, yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh. I don't understand that. We don't say that, but I'll make it. I'll, <laughs> I'll make it my own. It sounds like a thing and they say. Would jive say. Turkey. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. You know you that bitch when you cause all this conversation. Always stay gracious. Best revenge is your paper. So if we have time, I definitely want to talk to you about Juilliard. But first, let's talk about Confirmation, this new movie that you're in. So it's all about the um, 1991 hearings between Clarence Thomas, who is now a Supreme Court (laughs) Justice, and uh, the allegations of sexual harassment brought against him by Professor Anita Hill. You play Clarence Thomas. Yes. You seem like a good dude. Clarence Thomas does not. <laughs> what was it like preparing to play basically a slime ball? <laughs> a slime First of ball. all, as, as an actor, you have to try to come to a role uh, as open as possible. I will concede that I have preconceived notions. Uh-huh. Uh, what were those? Um, which you've so deftly uh, expressed um, <laughs> <laughs> about the justice. Um, and I had an epiphany uh, after reading his autobiography, comparing it to my memoir about my family. Mm-hmm. And what surprised me was not how little we had in common, but how much we had in common. Mm-hmm. You will be surprised at how black, southern Clarence Thomas and his family is. He has come five generations of an African-American family in the South from slavery through the violence of Jim Crow, understanding that we're going to put a premium on education mm-hmm. and faith and love of family to make sure that we embolden ourselves and protect ourselves from those who don't have our best interest at heart. Mm. 
my grandfather used to say, can't die three days before the creation of the world. Don't ever tell me you can't do anything. Hmm. Mm. His grandfather, who is his hero, said to him, can't is already dead. I helped to bury him. Don't ever tell me you can't do anything. Mm. And I sat here as a black man from the South, five generations, Catholic. Hmm. I'm Catholic too. And it opened up a window to how to play the man. I realized that for me to portray him in this movie, it wasn't a political journey. It was a personal journey that everyone could understand. A person at the pinnacle of their career, about to ascend to the highest summit, uh, and an event of their past comes back to haunt them and may deny them that opportunity. And he, in the confirmation hearing, says, I deny all of these allegations, but if there is one thing I can say, if there's anything I did or said to Anita Hill or any other woman that was offensive, I apologize sincerely. And that opened up a window to me to say that he was going through some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Now uh, I desire to meet him because there's so much we had in common. And I confess that I came to the role with preconceived notions. And uh, I confess that, and I mean, it's an open secret that we're politically opposite. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I actually want to, I don't think I'll ever bring it up with him if we meet, <laughs> you know? Um, but where's that nexus where we separated? Hmm. Yeah, and it all it I'm also wondering. it also points out once again this complete demonstration of we are not a monolithic people when it comes to African Americans and their political and cultural views and all of that. Hmm. Uh, that's why I said had to protect uh, Tracy when you know you tried to take her black card away from her. <laughs> Thank um, you. Okay, chill, uh, everyone. So, <laughs> as strange as it sounds, you know he has to be allowed to keep his. Little black card. It may have expired. Mm-hmm. He may not have. <laughs> he, <laughs> I know. he might just have to at reapply. Me. At look at point. me like uh, your interview is over. Step <laughs> <up>. <laughs> well, he, but, he might but, have to reapply for the black but, card. At this point. Uh, and here's the other thing: uh, as an actor, I'm a student of human behavior, mm-hmm. so I chose to approach it from that. It all of that separates it from the politics, uh, and then it allows you to get a deeper understanding of the humanity that he has. And then make your decision to hate him with more information. <laughs> so I, I actually want to talk about human behavior a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think men can identify harassment? Ooh. Um, there are those who can and those who cannot. But those men who cannot, it does not absolve them. Absolutely that's what, not. That's what we understand. Mm. And see, that's the role of art. It's where we it's the public conversation of the role of art what thoughts are to the individual art is to the community as a whole it's the place where we reflect on who we are where we failed where we've triumphed who we want to be who we want to become declare and figure out what our values are and then act on them that's the role of art for Mm. the community as a whole going back from when we sat around a fire and a griot told us listen The public discourse that happened with this painful event Hmm. is why we made the movie in the first place. First, for a generation that knows nothing about it. Hmm. Uh, So we are always vigilant as we lift the veil and know that we have to be vigilant about issues of uh, gender equality and sexual harassment and racism. Mm -hmm. It's an ongoing thing, you know? 
This is my lovely, really left liberal friends. Always. When do that means like racism will never go away? No, it will not. You know? No, it won't. And we have to stay on it. You know? Yeah. I mean, there will always be someone who's ready to sexual. Yes. Gotta, yes. We have to be vigilant. It's going to get better, and it has gotten better, but it's an ugly part of human nature that we have to, yeah. if, you know, we have to always identify. So I know for a fact there are men who are aware of it and men who aren't. Clarence Thomas is a pretty notoriously silent fellow. Mm-hmm. And there's actually not that many lines of dialogue you have in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you play someone or even get to know someone as a character when they'd have so little lines? Uh, there are two things. We know him as a pip- public figure. We're pretty aware of him as a public figure. <laughs> yes. But as a personal figure, he's very much the enigma. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I that's where I, as an actor who subscribes to the idea that you're a student of human behavior. What we do is closer to psychology. Is that what you learn at Juilliard? Yes. So you study him as a psychologist who tried to study someone who, uh, how would they think, why did that behavior come about, why Mm. do you... The thing I learned about him not speaking on the bench uh, actually informed me uh, because most justices, I spoke to a justice who I know, uh, who Can is we name on, the justice? Uh, <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Go on. And uh, that justice explained to me that what is perceived as him not saying anything speaks to something else contrary to what people believe, not his uninvolvement. Hmm. You get two rounds in deliberation when you go back, right? You go two rounds. Uh, you go a court, around the table according to seniority. And uh, a lot of justices take the oral argument as an opportunity to ask questions so they would be able to kind of put their opinion out there a little bit more. Interesting. Right? Mm. These are like the between the, the lines curi- of yeah, right? <laughs> Supreme Court the curiosity, decisions. The curiosity mm-hmm. of a justice not taking that opportunity says more about, informed me, mm. or the choice that I made, says more about his deferment to Scalia as you be the voice of the conservative right. viewpoint, which says a lot to me about how black conservatives deal with their position hmm. in the right wing. They play their roles, this is only my opinion, because the one thing the conservatives have been clear about with black conservatives is if I promise you this is your pathway, mm-hmm. they deliver. Mm. What most people don't remember is Clarence Thomas was only a judge for less than a year. Yeah, what I was reading was basically like he's wildly unqualified. Yeah. <laughs> very he was only a justice. Well, actually, you know, you don't have to be a justice, but it was a, an unlikely path. Unorthodox. Right? It was <laughs> very unorthodox, but mm-hmm. you could tell that it was a political position that right. they had already envisioned and strategized about long before Thurgood Marshall Mm -hmm. decided to retire. The thing that, you know, now it may sound like I found this affinity and love of Justice Thomas, and I did. You know, just not a love, I should say. Mm. An understanding of a broadened viewpoint of who he was. Mm -hmm. But when I ran up against a brick wall that reminded me of some of the preconceived notions that I had. Some of those men around him, black men, Jay Parker, 
Armstrong Williams were paid lobbyists for the apartheid government of South Africa in the wow. 80s. Wow. Black men who were paid by the apartheid government here to stop the divestiture movement in America. And so all I could think about was Stephen and Django Unchained. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, it's that sort of thing that, uh, that allowed me to uh, approach the role and also informed me on how to play the role. The last thing that we love to do with our guests is to do a rapid fire question okay. segment that we call Pew Pew Pew. These are finger guns and okay. Uh, ra- and my rapid fire before we get to that is <laughs> Kerry Washington was really wonderful in this. She was. And she while was we so didn't good. have anything to do together, I watched her testimony mm. prior to me walking on the set, and I asked the director not to introduce me to anyone. I walked onto the set in direct response to her testimony mm. before I met anyone. So even though we didn't have a scene together, she informed everything that I did. It was great to work with her. She got Anita down so good, like her cadence, the way that she yes. spoke. Yeah. I was really, really yeah. blown away. Um, Shout out and to she Carrie was a great, yeah. She was a great, a great producer, too. Mm. She did her research. So we're going to do super, 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 maybe like two or three really, really quick, very yes. random questions. What is your favorite cartoon? If you currently have one. If not currently, what cartoon? was your favorite cartoon? Yeah, cartoons are for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> some judgment in your voice right now. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying. Uh, uh, I am not a religious man, but uh, what comes to mind is that Bible verse. Uh, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I read like <laughs> But when I became a man, I gave okay. up childish things. Um, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> just like, all right, you just sir. lost all your credit with me. You don't look at we no cartoons. We were doing so uh, well. I was a... I was uh, um, uh, I was a Johnny Quest fan. Mm-hmm. Johnny Quest. So the president of the United States calls you and says, "Wendell, we have to get rid of one ice cream flavor, eradicate <laughs> it from the entire surface of the earth. You get to pick what it is." Obama needs to get his priorities straight first of all. I but think continue. he's got them together. <laughs> ice cream is very, very important to the state of our union. Yeah, that's but- why I'd be like, "What the hell are you?" Doing? <laughs> Obama's like, hey, I'm about to be out of here. Listen. Right. But what ice cream flavor do you pick to get rid of forever? Uh, that mint thing. Mint and chocolate. Mint chocolate chip? Yes. <gasps> Ban. What? What? Yeah. Okay, let me posit this. Or actually, that or toffee. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Make up your mind. Are you there coffee? You are you <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, are you caramel? Face made you when you said toffee, though. <laughs> Pure disgust. Whatever. It's like, oh, I thought this was coffee, but it's not coffee. Right. Oh, I thought this was going to be caramel, but it's not caramel. It's, not. it's, like, it's like weird it's and toffee. chewy and crunchy at the same yeah. time. It's oh like my toffee. God. Yeah. What he should do is declare that all ice cream should be uh, zabayon. What is that? I'm not familiar. It's basically the Italian version of eggnog ice cream. <gasps> oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't Excuse sound me. great. No, it sounds wonderful. It's slamming. I you just never had eggnog. any. I may be saying it wrong, too. Um, if you say I it confidently. Like not... Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I trusted you. I believed you. Way. All right. Rapid um, fire. Let's go. Name for us an unpopular opinion that you have. Heaven doesn't like Oreos. I don't like Cinnabons or cinnamon rolls. I have a couple. Okay. Okay. Safe <laughs> you space. Like you're about to confess. You know, yeah, it really is really cool. for for New El- for New Orleanian fans. Okay. And for Louisiana fans, I hate LSU football. Oh. oh. I hate LSU football. I, I hate all college hate football. For that. Oh. Right. Oh. 
Oh. Yeah, I hate college football. Why? Yeah, slavery. Um, oh. Very right. clear. Fair, very clear. Fair. Yeah. fair enough. Fair answer. The other is uh, I hate rap concerts. Interesting. Tell me more. Because they make you do the work. <laughs> what? When I say, hip hop. <laughs> and then I say, <laughs> And then, you know, if I you see another, put your hands in the air and wave it, them like you don't no, care. No, I don't mind that. I'll do that. <laughs> I'm talking about when I when came to hear you mic, rap and right. you point the mic to the crowd. I mean, I look at that as like a call and response, which is, of course, an African tradition that has uh, followed yeah. us through the centuries. But, uh, uh, but when it's all response, <laughs> not enough call. Seldom call. It's like, like when I say. And then you say, <laughs> I can't even see. I I don't know rap lyrics to this day because <laughs> I've been always like, wait, wait, you say it so I can learn it. You know? It's like, I was going <laughs> to hit, hop. And then they just point the microphone yeah, out. Yeah, so it's a drag. Yeah. Okay. So, it yeah. is a little Fair. bit lazy. It makes me feel you know like what? up on stage with we won't, my face. We won't linger on this. Okay. Where can the people find your work? Thank you so much for stopping by. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Uh, you can find my work April 16th on HBO, the premiere of Confirmation. Um, and so I'm very proud to call HBO my home and my family. And I'm very proud of this film. Uh, a lot of people uh, are going to watch it and learn something and uh, be moved. That's dope. Yeah. Do you have like a social media thing you're on? Podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh, at <laughs> Wendell Pierce. Thank you. And um, I have a wonderful book, a memoir about uh, New Orleans and my family and my life uh, called A Wind in the Reeds, which just uh, won the Christopher Award in literature. Ooh, congrats. A, a new, right. Yeah, thank you. Please come back. Yeah. I, will, I, I like look forward to it. so much to learn. Uh, there's... Uh, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. This has been one of the most wonderful interviews I've ever had in my life. Oh, oh my God. In my life. It's and the bourbon. It's then, the bourbon. And now the next time I come, <laughs> I will bring the bourbon. <gasps> so we'll see you next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tracy. What? It's time to buy some rum. Oh, my God. Can I go first? Sure. Okay. I would like to buy a round for a... YouTube video series, sort of. Okay, I'm it's listening. called Gal in a Buffalo. I'm Are listening. You familiar? Okay. I am not. <laughs> so, Gal in a Buffalo is basically this music group called the Possum Posse. I'm in. I'm in. Yay! I'll allow it. So, um, they took, they made a bunch of songs based on some clips from a very, very old show called Buffalo Rider, mm-hmm. which is just like a show about a man who rides a buffalo <laughs> throughout the West and he's like fighting bad guys and it sounds like a really bad show. Yeah, so like 70s? 1978, Buffalo nice. Rider. Uh, so the summary of the movie is, in the 1800s, Jake Jones finds a buffalo about to be eaten by a coyote. He rescues the buffalo and raises it. He names him Samson. <laughs> Jones decides to break the buffalo and saddle him, right? So... The possum posse took like bits. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's trying to put a saddle on a buffalo. Yeah, like he like he domesticated the buffalo and he rides the buffalo instead of a horse. I feel like okay, okay, that, that's his dream. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he was living his dream, doing everything that he needed to do. So the possum posse um, takes like four clips, like four, like maybe two or three minute clips. And they wrote a song describing what's going on in the video. Uh-huh. And it's just really, really funny to me. Uh, 
I'm going to play a little bit from the first episode, which is entitled Bears, Indians, and Such. Wait, so it's like a thing you should watch or just listen to? It's songs? It's better if you can watch it while you listen. But, I mean, I honestly, like, put the songs on my iTunes just wow. so I can listen to the songs. <laughs> because I think they're so funny. Okay, so here's a little bit. One day the guy on the buffalo was cruising around through the plains seen a bear. basically just narrating what's happening in the video. Oh no, I better just turn around and chase him back. Guess what? what am I watching? <laughs> so this man truly has a saddle on this buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bear involved and he's running away from it. It's just like your your typical western. Right, but he's riding a buffalo. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Exactly. So the reason that I think it's so funny is because the footage is so like ridiculous and them just narrating what's happening in the footage to me is really, really funny. I knew that I was taking a gamble on buying around for something that's <laughs> as hard to describe as Gal and a Buffalo, but we're going to put it in the newsletter. We'll put all four episodes in the newsletter. It's really, really funny. One day the guy owned the buffalo, went to town for some more revenge. This is great. <laughs> what? You gotta watch it to know who he's getting revenge. Tracy, I just watched it. I still you don't know, get... no, 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 the other you have to like watch all of it though. So around for guy on a buffalo. Shout out to Guy on a Buffalo and the Possum Posse. Who are you running around for? Well, mine's a little more known than <laughs> Guy on a Buffalo. I will allow it. <laughs> I would like to buy around for Alan Iverson. Who is being inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame. Yes, I've heard of this guy. I used to watch sports a lot. There's a way that white America cannot deal with the fact that they love watching black men play sports, Mm. but then also expect them to not be like aggressive as a sports player. Right. (laughs) Or like express anything other than exactly how they think Mm -hmm. they they should be behaving. They have terrible sportsmanship. Right. Shit like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I remember it happened with like Marshawn Lynch from the the Seattle Seahawks. You know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. <laughs> uh, it happened with Cam Newton during the the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. it that was like a huge part of Allen Iverson's impact on on basketball. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, has Kanye taught America nothing? There's just this way people are like, "How dare this black man be so bold and say what he means and mm-hmm. like be annoyed at dumb questions reporters ask him? Like, mm-hmm. how dare you? You should take it all in stride. Right. How dare this person be?" super aggressive after they just did something that probably requires a million amounts of like adrenaline and like tackling a human. (laughs) It's an aggressive game. (laughs) We like fake kill people. (laughs) It's like, oh, I could take you out, but only a little bit. Right. So I feel like a big part of his legacy is like because he was the, the NBA dude who started doing like wearing like the clothes he'd wear normally to Mm -hmm. an NBA conference Mm -hmm. or like a press conference thing that they make them do. Do rag. The do-rags. The do-rags. Um, he'd have his mom braid his hair on the sidelines. There's this <laughs> iconic picture of his mom cornrowing his hair. <laughs> but in response peak. to that, yes, peak. <laughs> in response to that, the NBA was like, they made all these rules about what you have to look like at mm. press conferences and shit. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, this sullies the name of the game, right. blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like when nightclubs have this ridiculous dress code that basically says, don't dress like a nigga. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's almost the explicit text, not even (laughs) subtext. (laughs) Right. Um, But I mean, he's definitely not like a person without his uh, his own shit. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like he's just a uh, an incredible angel of a human. Right. But our friend of the show, Van Newkirk, actually wrote about him in The Atlantic. And there's a line in his in his piece that I really like, mm-hmm. which is, he's not a role model, but a person who represented a kind of freedom to be that we may never have. It feels to me like he's one of the things that Laverne Cox calls like as a possibility model. Like, don't mm. call me a role model. And he certainly is not one. Yeah. But he's definitely a possibility model. Ooh, and, I like the idea of possibility model. Yeah. And the way he just so boldly declared that he can be himself in all the spaces that he's in. Yeah. Which I learned from you, Tracy. <laughs> like, it, it's incredible. I was watching this documentary, which I recommend the Showtime documentary called Iverson, which like kind of goes through all of this, like the media reaction to him, um, how a lot of people thought he'd never be inducted to the NBA Hall of Fame Mm because just white America wasn't having him. (laughs) (laughs) But I honestly, like out here in your do-rag and your mom out here cornrowing your shit in the (laughs) middle of a game. So black. Like I love the boldness. He had the nerve to double cross Michael Jordan Mm. in an iconic moment in history. Mm. And people are like, how dare he? (laughs) Or like just even tell Joy and get his game up. Listen, see me, <laughs> right. see me. So if you want to learn more about him or just get a better sense of why he's an important figure for American culture, you should watch this documentary. Mm. It's called Iverson on Showtime. Also, for good measure, you should go back and watch his practice rant because <laughs> it was so good. Do you remember that? I do. The documentary actually puts that in really important perspective. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to check us out this weekend. Yeah. I we just talk like... about the game. We talking about practice. <laughs> what we talking about? Practice? Yeah. There's this infamous uh, moment practice. where he says practice like 50 times <laughs> in a two-minute stretch. <laughs> but I really think he's one of those cultural figures that if you don't have the proper, like, black cultural writers to write about them mm-hmm. you might not remember how it happened right right so shout out to van newkirk for writing about him but yeah. also shout out to alan iverson for for being we did it again hey um we need to have mr pierce take us to new orleans so excited we should it's happening i'm willing it into the universe so thanks to mr wendell pierce for coming through confirmation airs on hbo on april 16th you should watch it it was a very good movie as always shout out to the pod squad pod squad hey i'm coming on up in the world a little bit practicing this episode was produced by Eleanor Kagan with editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss Berman and production help from Julia Farlon and Meg Kramer. Thank you to Paul Ruiz at Argo Studios. Yay, Paul. Woo. Thank you to our um, in-house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him on Twitter at Don Will. Thank you to the, um, oh, I had a new one from the list. Sufferer of all bullshit. Yeah, that is me. <laughs> um, shout out to the Tracy. Yay. Woo. Where I learned how to suffer fools. <laughs> um, the newsletter is so popping. Y'all got to get on the newsletter. There's an Oprah corner. Mm-hmm. Tracy's got her animal gifts. Mm-hmm. Frequently, we have dog vines. Very, very often. Honestly, what more could you want? Sometimes there are pictures of heaven like collapsed at her desk because she just can't. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the newsletter. Oh, man. <laughs> the amount that happens is a lot. <laughs> um, so if you're not subscribed to the newsletter yet, it's okay. There's still time to get your life right. Go to buzzfeed.com slash another round slash newsletter to sign up and get more goodness in your inbox. 
Also check out other BuzzFeed podcasts like Internet Explorer and The Tell Show. Yay. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Um, you can hit us on the buzz at Twitter and Facebook slash Another Round. Uh, email us, another round at BuzzFeed.com. Mm-hmm. And rate us on iTunes and nominate us for a Nobel Peace Prize. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also drink some water, take your meds, call your mom, floss your teeth. Listen. I know I say this nearly every show, but mm-hmm. I'm having so much fun with this new floss that I got. I'm really happy for you. I can it's, see it brings so much joy to your so life. Good. I would it also add, so I know I already bought a, a round for robes, mm-hmm. but honestly, just invest in some loungewear. <laughs> like, not that like shitty t-shirt you got from that marathon you ran. Right, right, right. And That's some what I shorts. Sleep in. No, get you a fancy robe. Mm. Somewhere you're just lounging. Mm-hmm. In this specific clothing made for you to lounge right, in. Right, right. <laughs> a lounge uniform, perhaps. Yes, I love Do you, how do you feel about short robes? Like, does length matter to you? Short oh, I robe, have a short robe. robe. I yeah. prefer a short, honestly. Mmm. Give a little leg and take it right back. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, hi. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. You have a great voice. I used I started on the radio. What? Yeah. It's twenty minutes after the hour. This is Wendell Pierce on the music. Oh my god! That was amazing. W Y L D, the music FM. (laughs) New Orleans.